0: Good day, friends. It is June 9th, and you, of course, are listening to the Reading Through the Bible Together podcast. My name is Blake, and i um, really excited that you're joining me on this journey through uh, what I believe is the most fascinating collection of books in all of the world for several different reasons. Uh, namely, uh, for me, because I believe all 66 books From different time periods, authors, cultural experiences, all point to one person named Jesus, who is the culmination of uh, the the story of not just the Bible, but the story of the world. I become more and more convinced of that each and every day. And I believe that that Jesus uh, came uh, to give grace, and that is really good news for somebody like me who seems to need all the help he can get and seems to always miss the mark and yet there's grace for that and not only um, grace as in forgiveness for my sins because of what he did on the cross there is that pouring out his blood uh, for me but also power uh, to live now to become more like him and to make an authentic difference in this world and then a hope because at the end of it all we're all dying (laughs) how do you like that about one minute into the podcast yeah at the end we're all dying and yet there's a hope that uh, Christ Jesus will return one day and just as he rose again he will resurrect my body and everybody else who has their trust in him he will restore us uh, with new desires new passions and he will restore this world without blemish and together we will work and live and love in the new world together and it'll be awesome yeah, so that's why I'm doing the podcast. That's why I find this book really interesting. And sometimes I want to remind myself and remind you of that before we jump into the readings. But with that said, let's jump into our reading from the one-year Bible today. We'll be starting in the Old Testament, First Kings 5-6. through And as always, we are reading out of the New Living Translation. Chapter 5, verse 1, 1 Kings. King Hiram of Tyre had always been a loyal friend of David. When Hiram learned that David's son Solomon was the new king of Israel, he sent ambassadors to congratulate him. Then Solomon sent this message back to Hiram. You know that my father David was not able to build a temple to honor the name of the Lord his God because of the many wars waged against him by surrounding nations. He could not build until the Lord gave him victory over all his enemies. But now the Lord my God has given me peace on every side. I have no enemies, and all is well. So I am planning to build a temple to honor the name of the Lord my God, just as he had instructed my father David. For the Lord told him, Your son, whom I will place on your throne, will build the temple to honor my name. Therefore, please command that cedars from Lebanon be cut for me. Let my men work alongside yours, and I will pay your men whatever wages you ask. As you know, there is no one among us who can cut timber like you Sidians. When Hiram received Solomon's message, he was very pleased And said, Praise the Lord today for giving David a wise son to be king of the great nation of Israel. Then he sent this reply to Solomon. I have received your message and I will supply all the cedar and cypress timber you need. My servants will bring the logs from Lebanon mountains to the Mediterranean Sea and make them into rafts and float them along the coast to whatever place you choose. Then we will break the rafts apart so you can carry the logs away. You can pay me by supplying me with the food for my household. So Hiram supplied as much cedar and cypress timber as Solomon desired. In return, Solomon sent him an annual payment of 100,000 bushels of wheat for his household and 110,000 gallons of pure olive oil. So the Lord gave wisdom to Solomon, just as he had promised. And Hiram and Solomon made a formal alliance of peace. Then King Solomon constricted a, excuse me, conscripted a labor force of 30,000 men from all Israel. He sent them to... LeBanon in shifts, 10,000 every month, so that each man would be one month in Lebanon and two months at home. Adranium was in charge of this labor force. Solomon also had 70,000 common laborers, 80,000 quarry workers in the hill country, and 3,600 foremen to supervise the work. At the king's command, they quarried large blocks of high-quality stone and shaped them to make the foundation of the temple. Men from the city of Gibeal helped Solomon's and Hiram's builders prepare the timber and stone for the temple. It was in mid-spring, in the month of Ziv, during the fourth year of Solomon's reign, that he began to construct the temple of the Lord. This was 480 years after the people of Israel were rescued from their slavery in the land of Egypt. Now, this is interesting. Um, That little line that the author puts in there, as we are in chapter 6, verse 1 now, uh, about... It's been 400 year, 480 years since the people of Israel were rescued from their slavery. And um, it's just kind of interesting uh, that we see that because what we see is the Israelite people freed from slavery now have slaves of their own. In fact, what were the people of Israel building? Well, if you read in, um, in, in Exodus, uh, the people of Israel were building store cities for Pharaoh. They were freed from that. And what do the people of Israel do with their freedom? 480 years later, they're building a storehouse with slaves. Yeah, How evil we can be, my friends. Um, You see, this is the problem from the very beginning. We want power for ourselves, and we want to use people to get what we want. But in God's kingdom, it's different. Nobody uses anybody. In fact, if you look at Genesis 1 and 2, uh, which is the Eden... The way that the world was and the way that we believe the world will one day be under the rule and reign of King Jesus, there's complete unity. There's man and woman serving side by side, equal but different, and they labor in unity with no shame, no guilt. Um, There's no uh, battle for power. They know God is in control. And it is when they eat of the tree of good and evil that then all of a sudden the battle uh, between them begins. And uh, we see that plane out here. So don't don't miss that. It's a small detail, but it's in there on purpose. Chapter six, verse two: The temple that King Solomon built for the Lord was ninety feet long, thirty feet wide, forty-five feet high. The entry room at the front of the temple was thirty feet wide, running across the entire width of the temple. It projected projected outward fifteen feet from the front of the temple. Solomon also made a narrow recessed windows throughout the temple. He built a complex of rooms against the outer wall of the temple, all the way around the sides and rear of the building. The complex was three stories high, the bottom floor being seven and a half feet wide, the second floor nine feet wide, and the top floor ten and a half feet wide. The rooms were connected to the walls of the temple by beams resting on ledges built out from the wall, so the beams were not inserted into the walls themselves. The stones used in the construction of the temple were finished at the quarry so there was no sound of hammer, axe, or any other iron tool at the building's site. The entrance to the bottom floor was on the south side of the temple. There were winding stairs going up to the second floor and another flight of stairs between the second and third floors. After completing the temple structure, Solomon put in a ceiling made of cedar beams and planks. As already stated, he built a complex of rooms along the sides of the building attached to the temple walls by the cedar timbers. Each story of the complex was seven and a half feet high. Then the Lord gave this message to Solomon. Concerning this temple you are building, if you keep all my decrees and regulations, obey all my commands, I will fulfill through you the promise I made to your father David. I will live among the Israelites and will never abandon my people Israel. Ooh, again, an echo back to Genesis. I will live among the Israelites. Remember the last time in this story that God lived among his people? Yeah, Eden. Eden. Oh, you remember the next time God will dwell among his people? Jesus Christ, God coming in flesh, dwelling, literally dwelling among his people. And there's yet another time to come in which God will dwell among his people. And that is to come in which Jesus will return one day and restore everything to right. Yeah, so many so many echoes, so many uh, hyperlinks, if you will. I like that. I heard that from Tim Mackey on The Bible Project. He talks about hyperlinks in the Bible. You know, like when you're on a website and there's those... Little blue links, and they they go to other places. This book is full of hyperlinks, uh, taking you all across the Bible. Beautiful. Verse 14. So Solomon finished building the temple. The entire inside, from floor to ceiling, was paneled with wood. He paneled the walls and ceilings with cedar, and he used planks of cypress for the floors. He partitioned off an inner sanctuary, the most holy place, at the far end of the temple. It was 30 feet wide and was paneled with cedar from floor to ceiling. The main room of the temple outside the most holy place was 60 feet long. Cedar paneling completely covered the stone walls throughout the temple, and the paneling was decorated with, with carvings of grounds and open flowers. Sorry, gourds and open flowers. I don't know what a gourd is, but maybe you do. Verse 19, He prepared the inner sanctuary at the far end of the temple, where the Ark of the Lord's Covenant would be placed, This inner sanctuary was 30 feet long, 30 feet wide, and 30 feet high. He overlaid the inside with solid gold. He also overlaid the altar made of cedar. Then Solomon overlaid the rest of the temple's interior with solid gold, and he made gold chains to protect the entrance to the Most Holy Place. So he finished overlaying the entire temple with, guess what? Yes, you guessed correctly, gold, including the altar that belonged to the Most Holy Place. Solomon likes things looking good man this guy had an expensive taste what should we put here solomon gold okay well what what should we um you know we we got these chains yeah they're not good enough for me they need to be first implanted with gold before they can go in the temple solomon likes him some gold verse 23 he made two cherubim of oh by the way none of that was in the bible there at the end uh just in case you were like is this in the bible no it was it was me if anybody really was contemplating whether or not that was in the Bible I'm I'm not sure there's help for you. anyways <laughs> verse 23 he made two cherubim of wide olive wood each 15 feet tall and placed them in the inner sanctuary. The wingspan of each of the cherubim was 15 each wing being seven and a half feet long. The two cherubim were identical in shape and size each was 15 feet tall. He placed them side by side in the inner sanctuary of the temple. Their outspread wings reached from wall to wall, while their inner wings touched at the center of the room. He overlaid the two cherubim with gold. He decorated all the walls of the inner sanctuary in the main room with carvings of cherubim, palm trees, and open flowers. He overlaid the floor in both rooms with gold. For the entrance to the inner sanctuary, he made the double doors of wide olive wood with five-sided doorposts. These double doors were created with carvings of cherubim, palm trees, and open flowers. The doors, including the decorations of cherubim and palm trees, were overlaid with gold. Then he made four-sided doorposts of wild olive wood for the entrance to the temple. There were two folding doors of cypress wood, and each door was hinged to fold back upon itself. These doors were decorated with carvings of cherubim, palm trees, and open flowers, all overlaid evenly with gold. The walls of the inner courtyard were built so that there was one layer of cedar beams between every three layers of finished stone. The foundation of the Lord's temple was laid in mid-spring in the month of Ziv, during the fourth year of Solomon's reign. The entire building was completed in every detail by mid-autumn, in the month of Buell, during the eleventh year of his reign. So, it took seven years to build the temple. And that concludes our very expensive Old Testament reading. Moving on to the New Testament, we will be in Acts chapter 7, verses 1 through twenty. Nine, Verse 7, chapter 1. I said that backwards. Chapter 7, verse 1. Then the high priest asked, Stephen, are these accusations true? This was Stephen's reply. Brothers and fathers, listen to me. Our glorious God appeared to our ancestors Abraham in Mesopotamia before he settled in Haran. God told him, leave your native land and your relatives and come into the land that I will show you. So Abraham left the land of Chalidians and lived in Haran until his father died. Then God brought him here to the land where you now live. But God gave him no inheritance here, not even one square foot of land. God did promise, however, that eventually the whole land would belong to Abraham and his descendants, even though he had no children yet. God also told him that his descendants would live in a foreign land where they would be oppressed as slaves for 400 years. But I will punish the nation that enslaves them. God said, and in the end, they will come out and worship me here in this place. God also gave Abraham the covenant of the circumcision at that time. So, when Abraham became the father of Isaac, he circumcised him on the eighth day, and the practice was continued when Isaac became the father of Jacob, and when Jacob became the father of the twelve patriarchs of the Israelite nation. These patriarchs were jealous of their brother Joseph, and they sold him to be a slave in Egypt. But God was with him, and rescued him from all his troubles. And God gave him favor before Pharaoh, king of Egypt. God also gave Joseph unusual wisdom, so that Pharaoh appointed him governor, over all of Egypt and put him in charge of the palace. But a famine came upon Egypt and Canaan, and there was great misery, and our ancestors ran out of food. Jacob heard that there was still grain in Egypt, so he sent his sons, our ancestors, to buy some. The second time they went, Joseph revealed his identity to his brothers, and they were introduced to Pharaoh. Then Joseph sent for his father, Jacob, and all his relatives to come to Egypt, 75 persons in all. So Jacob went to Egypt, and he died there, as did our ancestors. Their bodies were taken to Shechem and buried in the tomb Abraham had bought for a certain price from Hamer's sons in Shechem. As the time drew near when God would fulfill his promise to Abraham, the number of our people in Egypt greatly increased. But then a new king came to the throne of Egypt who knew nothing about Joseph. The king exploited our people and oppressed them, forcing parents to abandon their newborn babies so they would die. At that time Moses was born, a beautiful child in God's eyes. His parents... Cared for him at home for three months. When they had abandoned him, Pharaoh's daughter adopted him and raised him as her own son. Moses was taught all the wisdom of the Egyptians, and he was powerful in both speech and action. One day when Moses was 40 years old, he decided to visit his relatives, the people of Israel, and he saw an Egyptian mistreating an Israelite. So Moses came to the man's defense and avenged him, killing the Egyptian. Moses assumed his fellow Israelites would Realized that God had sent him to rescue them, but they didn't. The next day he visited them again and saw two men of Israel fighting. He tried to be a peacemaker. Men, he said, you are brothers. Why are you fighting each other? But the man in the wrong pushed Moses aside. Who made you a ruler and judge over us? He asked. Are you going to kill me as well as the Egyptian killed yesterday? When Moses heard that, he fled the country and lived as a foreigner in the land of Midian. There his two sons were born. That concludes our New Testament reading. And you might be thinking, Blake, that was the Old Testament. No, it was the New Testament. So remember what's going on. Stephen, uh, an early Christian proclaiming the gospel, the Israelites don't like that uh, because Christianity threatens their way of, of doing their religious activities. Their religious activities are built upon waiting for the Messiah to come. Well, if the Messiah is here, then there is a new order, a new power structure. And you can imagine that those guys at the top of the power structure don't like it. Like, for instance, if uh, a brand new constitution for the United States was written and in it it said that senators would lose all of their power, you can bet that there wouldn't be very many senators who would support that bill. They would, with all of their propaganda, with all of their might, attempt to stop the bill, even if it was in the best interest, even if it was true, because it would affect their power. Now, I'm not saying that that's absolutely true. I'm just saying, as an example, that's probably what would happen. Well, that's what's going on here. Uh, with the religious leaders, and Stephen has been accused of blasphemy, he's gotten a charge, and what is he doing with his time to testify? He is telling the gospel. The gospel is the good news of what God has done in and through Jesus, and the gospel starts with the Old Testament, the Israelite story, because through the Israelites comes Jesus Christ. He is the fulfillment of the Israelite story, and so Stephen is starting by sharing the story of Moses to get to jesus and how he is the fulfillment how he is the greater moses and we'll get to that as we keep reading but that concludes our new testament reading for the day now moving on to the old testament proverbs uh, excuse me we've already been in the old testament moving on to our proverbs of the day proverbs chapter 16 verse 28 through 30 a troublemaker plants seeds of strife gossip separates the best of friends oh amen i can testify that to my testify to that in my own life um How gossip has hurt me and how I've hurt others with gossip. I'm going to read that one more time, verse 28, and then I'll read the last two. A troublemaker plants seeds of strife. Gossip separates the best of friends. Violent people mislead their companions, leading them down a harmful path. With narrowed eyes, people plot evil. With a smirk, they plan their mischief. And finally, we'll conclude by reading Psalm 127 in a posture of prayer. This is the 127th Psalm. A song for pilgrims ascending to Jerusalem, a psalm of Solomon. Verse 1. Unless the Lord builds a house, the work of the builders is wasted. Unless the Lord protects a city, guarding it with centurions will do no good. It is useless for you to work so hard from early morning until late at night, anxiously working for food to eat. For God gives rest to his loved ones. Children are a gift from the Lord. They are a reward from him. Children born to a young man are like arrows in a warrior's hands. How joyful is the man whose quiver is full of them. He will not be put to shame when he confronts his accusers at the city gates. Lord, I do pray that people will take time to read this psalm because it is a beautiful psalm, especially when it comes to praying uh, to you. Uh, And so many things come to mind for me. Family comes to mind. Lord, I pray for my future children. I pray that you would allow me to have children in the future. And Lord, that if you do... Uh, that they would uh, grow up to be strong in you and strong in their faith. Lord, give me wisdom even now uh, for how to parent them. Uh, Lord, I I thank you for the rest that I have in you as one of your children. Uh, Lord, thank you that I do not have to be anxious because I know you will provide for me. Lord, remind me of that when, with all my being, I want to be anxious. Lord, I praise you and I thank you for this reading. And most of all, I thank you for your gospel, that through trusting in you, placing my faith in you, repenting from my way of life to your way of life, I can have salvation. I can find peace. I get no purpose. And ultimately, Lord, I can live fulfilled with a future hope of what is to come. It is in your name I pray. Amen. Well, thank you for joining me for this June 9th reading of the One Year Bible. Hope to see you back here tomorrow as we continue our journey reading through the Bible together.